Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... There are, there are some people in this church that you might consider friends and you wonder why they're avoiding you on Sunday morning. Do you know why? Because they want to talk about the word of the Lord. And maybe you want to talk about everything but. And they, maybe they've just heard from God and they want, to, they want to have a friend where they can say what they heard from God or what did you hear from God or you know, what's the Lord doing in your life? And people want to, oh, just see the Yankee game. Like, I don't want to talk about the Yankees. You know, text me at four o'clock this afternoon or something. When we fellowship with one another, it can be tempting to talk about unimportant or frivolous things. Have you ever noticed in yourself or in a friend that it's not all that easy to talk about anything relevant to the kingdom of God? In today's teaching with Pastor Jim, we'll evaluate the quality of our conversation in light of our relationship with God. The words that we say are important, and the conversations we have with others ought to clearly indicate that we really love God and are really spiritually alive. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part two of his message entitled, Does How Much I Come to Church Matter? I know some of you think that's what my life is like, because I'm a pastor. Every morning, I don't need the alarm. I just hear God going, Jim, Jim, (laughs) all right? That is not my life, right? (laughs) I'm just like everybody else. I I want to throw my alarm clock across the room. This morning, I was so tired. I spent so many, I had to go out to see my mom for some stuff, and I, she lives on Long Island, and I spent so many hours in traffic, and I was a truck driver there, so if there's a way around it, I know it. I spent so many hours in traffic because of Hillary Clinton was over in New York. I am not voting for her. She wasted like four hours of my time yesterday. <laughs> and so Moses, back to Moses. Uh, Moses is up on the mountain, and God says to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. So does that mean we're supposed to come to church with bare feet? Um, We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper today. If you want to come in bare feet, I have no problem with that. Really, I, I don't. But that's not the idea here. The idea is we're supposed to hear God say, Moses, be very careful when you approach me. The Bible says that God is our friend but it also says that he's a consuming fire. And God's not looking for us to casually come to him. God is looking for us to um, reverently come to him. That's why people go to me, yeah, I know God, the man upstairs, I got his number. I'm like, oh, dude, no, no. So here in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, draw near to hear, to hear. God speaks through his word in the temple. They would read the scripture and they would explain God's word. And often in the Old Testament, you hear God saying, uh, hear, O Israel. And remember, Israel's not a country, it's a people, people who are followers of, of Yahweh. Jesus in the New Testament would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And this is why in Calvary Chapel, we have just decided that we're gonna teach the Bible. We're not going to just use the Bible in the midst of me just giving a bunch of opinions, but we're going to go through it line by line, verse by verse, 
Because God wants his word heard and he wants it internalized among his people. For that to happen, your heart must be here. Not just your body, but your heart must be here. You have to be engaged. We must give our full attention to the word of God. We must stop daydreaming. Come ready to receive from God. Coming anticipating. God is going to speak. God is going to speak to his people. God is going to address his people when the Bible is read. So what does that look like practically? We should be on time. How many of your bosses expect you to be on time? You ever think? <laughs> okay. Of course. We should be rested. A lot of Christians, it seems to be they, you know, listen, Saturday's the go for it day, right? We get up as early as we can. We run, 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 run. And, um, you know, then we stay up till all hours of the night. Some of us are sending emails to one another and text messages at 2 and 3 in the morning. And then we come into church and we're not receiving from God and we want to blame other people. Well, if the music was better. Ah, if the sermon was better. You know, ah, if the coffee was better. You know, always, always reasons to, to blame other people. How about reading ahead? One of the advantages of being part of a church is, you know, uh, Lord willing, next Sunday we'll pick up at chapter 5, verse 8. Let you know how far we're going today. <laughs> and, and just reading ahead. So you're preparing your heart during the week or getting up on a Sunday morning and, and just reading ahead, preparing your heart to hear from the Lord. How about not getting up and down during the service? You know what happens when we get up, everybody turns and looks at the person leaving. And I'm always like, if you're older, you know this Elmer Fudd with Bugs Bunny, come back, little bunny rabbit. I mean, just like, like I'm, come on, everybody, come back, come back. Now, if you have to get up for a legitimate reason, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if your normal habit is, I like to come into the service, and, and about 10 minutes into it, I, I, need to, I get up and go to the bathroom. Now, those of you with kids, you know this. We go to the potty before we get in the car, right? Because once we're in that car 10 minutes, what happens? Mommy, Daddy, guess what I got to do? You don't have no guessing. We know, right? But the same is true with church, Right? We should all probably go to the potty before church. How about checking our phones during the service? You know I have informants, don't you? They're in the sound booth. They sit high above everybody else. <laughs> they know who's checking Facebook. They know who's tweeting during service, right? Everybody's like, oh, I'm reading the Bible. And they're like, well, okay, you're reading the Bible. You must be a speed reader because you're going... With your fingers, swiping through everything. Very distracting to others. No, our focus should be on the Lord. That's why we come here. Now, that's not always easy because our minds are so cluttered with so many things, aren't they? But here's the thing. Jesus dies on the cross, and we get to hear about him, and we're like, well, my mind's cluttered. I mean, that's kind of lame, don't you think? And sadly, it's easy for us, if we're not careful, to default to what he calls here the sacrifice of fools. What a sobering term. You say, what's the sacrifice of fools? I think it's thinking that some religious activity or some religious routine is actually pleasing to God. To make it your routine to come to church 
without really coming to truly worship, without really coming to, to truly uh, have a heart to obey the things that God tells us. You hear a lot of people say, well, it doesn't matter if you, where you go to church as long as you go to church. Now, you know that's not true, right? It matters where you go. And here God says it matters how you go. <laughs> and notice God calls this insulting way of doing church evil. That's the word he uses for it, evil. Because it's insulting the, the Son of God who sacrificed his life for us on the cross. And Romans 10.18 says this, So then faith, let, let's stop there for a second, faith, the kind of faith that saves your soul, the kind of faith that makes a Christian realize that they are adopted children of the king, the kind of faith that solidifies for the Christian the identity they have in Jesus Christ, the kind of faith that gives someone hope for the future. That faith, the Apostle Paul says, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So at church, the people of God are commanded to come enter into the presence of a holy God and hear his word. We are to be attentive before God. Number two, we are to be quiet before God. Verse two, do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. So just in case for a second, we thought we were pretty awesome. God sort of puts us in our place there. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words or by his many foolish words. Now you say, wait a minute, Bible inconsistency. We were just told, you just told us that God says we have to come in and hear from him, so God's in church. Now he says that God's in heaven. Which is it? Is God in church or is God in heaven? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Now remember, we say that his manifest presence is different. So when the room is empty, it's different than the presence of God when we are in here. God has promised that he would inhabit the praises of his people. But here we're reminded of the great distance between God and us. He's in heaven and we're on earth. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, that bridge was, that distance was bridged by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we walk across that bridge or we're carried across that bridge by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come across that bridge by faith. So he's telling us here that the Lord God is beyond comprehension. You know, the Bible tells us that God hangs the stars, similar to the way you would hang a curtain rod. God hangs the stars, and he knows the stars by name. So the God who hangs the stars is the same God who names the stars, is the same God who's intensely personal and knows you and I. So he teaches us here to listen to God speak more of God's voice and less of our own voice, less of our opinions, less of our critiques. James 1.19, he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. And then he adds on, slow to wrath. I wonder if there's something else here. Jesus talked about uh, people who pray uh, who are guilty of praying with vain repetition. 
Again, a lot of us came from a church tradition where that's what bothered us, that we was the same thing over and over again. Vain repetition. But let me ask you this, Calvary Chapel. When we sing, do we mean what we sing? Or are we just mouthing the words? Now, I realize that many of you don't sing. I think we should all ask ourselves why. There's an old expression, dead men don't sing. And so it's important to ask ourselves, are we spiritually alive? Is the reason that we don't sing because we're spiritually dead? But those that say, oh, no, not me, I sing, I sing, are we really thinking about what we're singing? I think if we thought about what we sang, we'd be singing a lot louder. Do we think about who we're singing to? I mean, he says right here, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. That should be so humbling to us that we're, that we're really just these little things compared to God. The Bible says that the earth is God's footstool. Just imagine that. Just imagine God standing on the earth like this. You know, got his foot up on the earth, lifts his foot up. Oh, look, Google, Exxon, Apple. Yeah, they say they're big companies. <laughs> God's like, they're specs. They're, they're under my foot. Theologians call this the, the creator-creature distinction. And it should remind us when we gather that we are on holy ground. First Samuel chapter 6, the people of Beth Shemesh mishandled the ark. They decided, God said, don't you just go up and take a look at it inside. And that was... The presence of God will be studying that in our studies in Chronicles on Wednesday nights. And, and they looked in and a whole bunch of them died. And they said this, First Chronicles 6.20, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? Hosea 11.9, God says, For I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst. And Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Again, in verse 3, he says, you know, a dream comes, for dreams comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by as many words, as many foolish words. You know, if we're so focused on this life, we're always worried, aren't we? And when we're always worried, we have the strangest of dreams, and then our minds are just completely scattered. We end up coming to church half hearing the Lord. We can't wait to get out because, you know, it's not bad enough for the amount of hours we slept we gave God control of the world, but the, the hour, hour and a half that we're in here, now we, we a gun, well, I hope he's doing something right with my world. So we can't wait to get out to get control of our world again. We can't wait to get out to, to see others and talk about ourselves or talk about our problems instead of talking about the Lord and the word of the Lord. You know, there's a lot of people, and I'm just, you know, I'm saying this. Actually, somebody said to me, it was very helpful in the last service, so if it's not helpful, sorry. But do you know there are, there are some people in this church that you might consider friends, and you wonder why they're avoiding you on Sunday morning? Do you know why? Because they want to talk about the word of the Lord. And maybe you want to talk about everything but. And they, maybe they've just heard from God, and they want, to, they want to have a friend where they can say what they heard from God, or what did you hear from God, or you know, what's the Lord doing in your life? And people want to, ah, oh, just do the Yankee game. Like, I don't want to talk about the Yankees. You know, text me at 4 o'clock this afternoon or something. I want, I want to talk about the Lord, and, and, and you know what? I applaud that. 
I applaud that. Or, or some people think because they, they come to church when they're really something else, like heaven is, wow, that's impressive. <laughs> that is really impressive. You know, like the woman I met last summer at one of my neighborhood parties, and she's, she heard that I was a pastor, which always is just the most interesting conversations when that happens. And she says to me, I'm very religious. <laughs> Actually, it went something like this. I'm very religious. <laughs> And I was like, I'm so sorry. I do funerals. I mean, really. It's just just this dead thing. I'm very religious. I was like, am I supposed to be impressed? Keep your finger in Ecclesiastes 5. Turn to Luke 18, page 928. I absolutely love, I love this. Beginning at verse 9. It says, and he, talking about Jesus, spoke this parable to... Now, he's speaking this to the people, not about them. He's like, oh, no, you heard about these guys over there. He's like, no, this is what you guys are like. He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. So obviously they're not, right? And despised others, looking down at people like, oh, look at those people. They're not like us. Verse 10, Jesus said, here he tells them the, the story. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. We're supposed to think, hmm, religious guy. And the other a tax collector. We're supposed to think, big sinner, big, big sinner. The Pharisee, verse 11, the religious guy stood and prayed thus with himself. That to me is so funny. I just think that's so funny. God's like, hey, angels, come here, check this out. Look at that dude praying to himself. <laughs> he's not talking to me. And he, this is what he prays to himself. God. I always think those guys talk like that. You know, I don't know why I think that guys in the Middle East talk like they're English Shakespearean actors, but uh, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. That's like the guys on TV. Jesus. I'm like, what are you yelling for, man? It's, he hears you. I thank you I'm not like other men. And we're all like, yeah, we're glad we're not like you either, man. <laughs> and then he, like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Basically, I'm glad I'm not like the people who go to Calvary Chapel. Verse 12. If you're offended at that, you're new. Don't worry. You won't be offended at that. Soon you'll be like, yeah, yeah. Because wait till you see what happens after that. But anyway, one more. He goes, I fast twice a week. Ooh, impressive. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, he's supposed to do all that stuff. Not a problem. But, but are you impressed? God's like, look at that fool. Verse 13. And the tax collector, the big sinner... Standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. The other guy's talking, the tax collector is quiet before God, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Do you hear what Jesus just said? He just told everyone in that room how to get to heaven. He just told them what you need to do Beat your breast. You need to see who you are compared to God. And you need to cry out to him, God have mercy on me. So when you say to someone, so why do you think you might be going to heaven? They go, I go to church. But if they say, I cried out to God to have mercy on me, you know they're on the right track. 
Jesus concludes, verse 14, I tell you, this man, this big sinner, went down to his house justified. God has justified him, declared him innocent, rather than the other, rather than the religious guy. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He who says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He or she who says, God, I put my trust in you, will be exalted. So, Be attentive before God. Be quiet before God. And number three, be honest before God. This is actually the tough part, sorry. (laughs) Ushers, please lock the door. It's tough, but it's freeing. Verse four, when you make a vow to God, he says, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Oh, ooh, ah, (laughs) That's blunt. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. Don't let your mouth make a vow and then you don't keep it. Nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Some of your versions say that it was a mistake. What they would do is they um, uh, they would make these vows and pledges to keep the temple running. And, and then the people would come by and say, you know, you didn't pay your vow or your pledge. And then they would go, oh, it was an error. It, it, it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? Obviously, none of us want the work of our hands destroyed. Verse 7, for in the multitude of dreams, in many words, there is also vanity and the conclusion, but fear God. So a vow is what you promise to do. If you're married, you made wedding vows. Uh, If you testify in court, you vow to tell the whole truth. And here he's talking about vows made to God. Now, the truth of the matter is it's easier to make a promise than to keep a promise. But God expects us to keep the vows that we make. And here specifically, he's talking about the vows that were made to him. Temple vows were very common. We just talked about it in the Old Testament. Also, a lot of times people would make vows and they say, well, God, if you do such and such, I will do such and such. Now, some of you say, well, you know, Pastor Jim, you you do too much Old Testament. We're New Testament people. That stuff is gone. Uh, For your homework, we're not going to do it today. I would suggest that you read Acts chapter 5. A couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira, New Testament, Jesus rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, the age of grace. Uh, they had some land and they were going to sell it. And they told everybody at the church, hey, when we sell this land, we're going to give all the money to the work of the Lord. So they sold the land, but they didn't give all the money to the work of the Lord. They decided to hold some back for themselves. And anybody know what happened? God killed them. Everybody's like, God, where's the grace? (laughs) Now, interesting, Peter goes, you know, you didn't have to... (laughs) You just shouldn't have told us you were going to give us all the money. God would have been fine with you keeping some of it. That would have been fine. See, a lot of times we think that grace is okay. We can do whatever we want because there's grace. Uh, I don't know about you. The more I read the Bible, I think it's it's grace that God doesn't kill us. Uh, but he says here, why should God destroy the work of your hands? You know, sometimes we vow things to God and maybe to get us to keep our vow or to remember it, God frustrates everything we do. Just totally frustrates us. Seems like we can't get anything done. 
You know, every, every, every time you, you try to start something, you'd, you'd feel like that you know, little kid walking through two feet of snow, like, mommy, mommy, help, help. You know, just, just can't get it done. Or you lay out these great plans and the whole thing just falls apart. And you're like, yeah, it was God. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing messages of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them that you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you will make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching from the book of Ecclesiastes with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.